All right, folks, it is 8 o'clock Eastern time. That means it is time to get going. So um, I don't know if you know who Josh is, but he is an awesome Meteor expert, uh, Meteor JS, that is. And uh, he's going to show us some stuff about building applications with uh, Cordova, which is mobile technology, MongoDB, and Meteor.js. Uh, he also hosts a podcast about Meteor, and I'm sure he's going to tell us all about that. So, um, Josh, go ahead and take it away. I'm going to mute unless there's a problem, so um, or if you need me to intervene. So uh, sure. just speak up if you need my help, and if something goes wrong, then I will. Okay, sounds good. Uh, and so I, I have two screens, so like... You know, when you see me, I'll, I'll be looking here at my main screen, the one I'll share with you guys. Uh, so who am I? I'm uh, Josh Owens, started as Rubyist, um, did that for, you know, nine years, started dabbling in Backbone, a um, little bit of Angular, uh, never really tried Ember, but then uh, this, this Meteor thing came along and uh, was super impressed with it, similar to how Rails was for me. Um, so uh, you can find me on Twitter slash Josh Owens, github slash queso. Um, the code for today will actually be at github.com slash meteorclub uh, slash cityforks, but, but I'll, uh, I'll, I'll mention that again. Uh, I also run like a meteor club. Um, it's just a, we've got a chat room and I send out weekly newsletters and it's just other interesting things I'm doing. And then I do the meteor podcast and then also run Crater, which is like the, the main kind of news site with uh, Meteor. It's built, uh, it's running on Telescope, which is a Meteor app. So, so what is Meteor? Uh, if you're not familiar with it, it's, I don't know. Um, can you guys see my slides okay? I assume yes. Yeah, they look good. Okay, all right, awesome. Um, so Meteor is a platform. Uh, it's similar to Rails, right? So Rails is a, a framework, uh, but Meteor actually takes it a little bit further. Um, the idea that it's a platform is that it integrates deeper than uh, than other other kind of frameworks. It, it's actually gluing together um, the front end and the back end, and you get a similar API you know, on the client and the server. So it, it makes it really nice to develop things. And um, I guess I should have put the slide in here. I'll, um, before we get going, I'll, I'll share my, uh, my screen and I'll show you kind of a, a layout of what it looks like. Um, but uh, real quick, before we get into that, um, you know, today we'll be using leaflet underscore and ratchet on top of um, Meteor and then the, the Cordova stuff that's built into Meteor. We'll be using those libraries. And then Mongo is also part of that as well. So uh, whenever you start a Meteor server, you get, like, it starts a Mongo server alongside of it. You know, so if you start on port 3000, uh, you get uh, uh, a local instance of Mongo running on port 3001. So. Um, I think that's most of the technology. So Ratchet's just a, if you haven't seen it, it's just a CSS framework for doing mobile apps. Um, I've actually switched to using Ionic. Uh, I haven't switched this project yet, but um, someone has a, a port of Ionic that works with Meteor, and it, it seems to be pretty good, so I've been using that lately. Uh, so I guess let me switch to sharing my desktop. I can figure out how to do that. It's the plus button at the top in the tabs. Yeah. There you go. Bear with me here while it spins up. So here's the, the little infographic I mentioned before, um, kind of what makes up the Meteor platform. So when you run the Meteor command, 
uh, it's actually spinning up a node server, and that node server is going to serve up your client for you. So uh, you can see, you know, when we get to the end, we'll we'll do like a media run iOS, and it'll spit out a Cordova app, and it'll run the node app. Um, but what's happening under the covers is starting MongoDB, is starting the node server. Um, obviously, those two are wired up to communicate with each other for you automatically. Um, you got some other libraries like Fibers that are wrapped around Node, and then custom libraries that they've created like uh, Live Query, which does the, uh, the reactiveness uh, on your your database queries. And then you've got this this pipe kind of sitting between the uh, the web client and the server, and uh, it's called DDP. It's just a it's a protocol that uses web sockets to communicate back and forth. Uh, I think it stands for like dynamic data protocol or something like that. Um, and they use eJSON to serialize the data and ship it over the uh, DDP pipe there. So, um, and that's just, it's just basic JSON and they've extended it to have like date types and uh, there's a couple other types that they've added uh, to make it work better for, for serialization. Um, and then on the web, you know, you've, you've got a couple things going on. You've got Blaze, which is kind of like React. Uh, you've got Spacebars, which is a, uh, an updated version of Handlebars that's fully reactive. You've got Tracker, uh, which handles all the calculations for figuring out whenever uh, something reactive needs to be updated. And then you've got MiniMongo, which is a, a client-side um, in-memory replication of your Mongo database. So whenever data is shipped over DDP, MiniMongo is what's storing it on the front end. And it gives you that, that same kind of API that you're using on the back end. And then um, they're also doing some calculations behind the scenes. So whenever the code changes, um, it, it's looking at that calculation and then figuring out like, hey, you need to update. And they call that hot, hot code push or hot code reload. So. All right, let's get into it. Just say Meteor Create City Forks. Uh, we're just gonna do, I wanted to do something kind of location-based and uh, utilizing maps and that kind of thing. So we're gonna be getting into like uh, 2D indexing with Mongo and that kind of thing. Um, so I thought, Maybe a fun way would be, uh, it started as an urban spoon kind of knockoff, so I called it City Forks, um, but I don't know. We don't quite get all the way with it. Uh, so City Forks. So when you get started, you just say Meteor Run, like I mentioned before. You get three files when you do a create, just CSS, HTML, and a small JavaScript file. And it, it basically just, it's here to show you kind of what reactivity looks like. So if you guys had this open as well, you would see that number counting up as I'm clicking on it. Um, and it's pretty basic. Can you guys see my text okay? It's fine. Okay, awesome. Getting a lot of yeses in the chat room. Awesome. All right, so they just use session right here, which is a little different than session maybe from Railsland or elsewhere you might have seen it. Uh, it's actually specific to this person that's connected, and it's there for the UI. So we're storing kind of like a UI variable, uh, but it doesn't like store it in a cookie or anything. Um, there are um, packages you can install that will uh, let you use local storage to store this stuff if you want. But this is all global, uh, but per user. So, um, and it, it's fully reactive, so that is kind of a nice thing. Um, anyway, we don't really care about any of this stuff. City forks, just get rid of all of it. What we did get, and why I did run the command, was to get all this. So there's a lot of stuff in here. This is actually the app that got built and we're hitting when we hit port 3000. Uh, 
the files we do care about, you get packages, platforms. So um, that'll come into play once we start adding the Cordova stuff. Actually, let's go ahead and do that. Um, close that, sorry. Uh, Meteor add platform iOS. So I already have um, Xcode installed. It's kind of important if you want to do the iOS stuff. Uh, it will only work on a Mac, just FYI. Um, we'll, we'll use that for today. Um, but you, you can just say Meteor add platform Android and it'll download and install everything it needs to run. Uh, and then if we check this again, you'll see it's got iOS inside the file now. <clears throat> um, seriously. There we go. Very distracting, sorry. Uh, and then we get a few other f files in here. So releases just tells you what release you're using. And then if you are familiar with... Um, like there's the packages, it's kind of like a gem file. If you're familiar with that. And then the versions is similar to the gem file.lock. So it's just specifying uh, all the stuff that got installed as far as dependencies and, and regular packages and all that. So. All right. So we'll get going. Add a few packages. So we'll do Meteor add, and then I'll just show you Atmosphere real quick. This is the package server, kind of like when you go to Ruby Gems or something like that. Um, it shows you all the packages you can install using Meteor add. You can click on one. It's got a little spark graph. It shows you this has been installed in 268 different apps. Um, you click on GitHub. You can see things that are related, all the releases. Um, yeah, good stuff. And then they rank everything, too, based on number of stars it has on the website and then, like, number of releases. It's really interesting. Good way to find stuff. All right. Um, so we want to add Iron Router, pretty core for every application. Um, I would think at some point this might actually become part of the core Meteor. I don't know. Uh, and then the other one we want is uh, PCJPCJ. Oops, two. So the great thing about the package system is you can bring a lot of files along with it. Uh, so someone has already packaged up Ratchet and it's, it's bringing all those CSS files for me. And so I can just start utilizing them right, right out of the box. The other one we'll add is just HTTP because we're going to hit Google's API uh, to make calls and, and fetch data. Um, so it's an easy way to kind of work with that. All right. Oops. I usually make a, a client folder, server folder. I make a collections folder. Um, and when it, when it comes to Meteor, uh, anything you put in the client folder is only going to be shipped to the client. Anything you put in the server is only going to go to the server. Everything else will go to both environments. So like collections will actually get loaded in both spots. So it's a nice way to share code between the front end and back end. Um, I usually make uh, a lib. This is a special directory. I'd highly recommend you know, spending a few minutes looking at uh, docs.meteor.com. They do a great job. Uh, and they talk about structuring your application, and they talk a lot about this stuff. Uh, in particular, 
they talk about lib. Uh, but basically, it just gets loaded first. That's why you tend to put stuff there. Um, let's see, do anything else? Uh, they also have tests, which is basically just ignored by the app, but then you can start adding tests if you wanted to. Um, I think that's enough to get us going. Clients. Views. So we'll just make an app layout dot HTML. So we need a leaflet. I'm just going to put that in the head here. And um, it's smart enough to figure out and like concatenate anything that's put in head across any of the templates. So uh, but to me, it makes sense to just kind of keep it with my layout. So the templating system is similar to, like I mentioned, handlebars. Uh, you just make HTML templates. We'll call this one uh, app layout. And we'll have a header. So that's just a... Uh, we're just telling it to render in a partial right there or another template right there. Um, we're gonna yield right here. So again, if you're familiar with Rails, this is gonna it's gonna look kind of similar. And then we'll wanna we'll yield a footer into there. Uh, and then let's see. So we can make our header client use header. HTML. Here comes a train. I live near a track, so you'll hear it. So, template. Where we start to get into Ratchet. So, um, if you do a search, you can kind of look at the docs if you want to follow along. We'll just do a header with a class of bar and bar nav. Each one in there, class with title, city forks. All right. We can make our home view. This is uh this is gonna get our map on the page for us. We'll start tying this together in a minute with Iron Router, and uh, it'll probably make a little more sense. Div class equals content. We need, uh, we need to put the map in here. Div ID equals map style. Lazy. I just put the height right in here. Um, hopefully that'll make it full screen for us. All right, and then we go lib uh, router.js. And so they've got great docs as well. So if you go to the Iron Router repo, you can uh, you can read the Getting Started guide. They do a great job. We just pass it uh, a, a JavaScript object here, and we set layout template the app layout. That's the one we made before. So we're just uh, the router dot configure is global. So we're just telling it like, hey, um, make this the global layout, uh, and then we can say router dot route. We'll catch the 
anything that hits the, the home page. Then we just run a function here. Uh, we'll say this.render. We'll tell it to render the home template that I created already. And then we just give it an object here. And the object, we want to set the data. Um, for now, I'm just going to return true right here. We don't, we don't need to do much right now. And so let's see what that looks like. What do we got? Reload. Oops. Guess we got to run it. The other thing we're going to want package-wise is uh, the uh, Cordova geolocation package. So we can detect people's locations, which we'll start using here in a second. So that was kind of, uh, I don't know, probably all the, the boring stuff out of the way. Uh, if you do have questions, please put them in the, in the chat room. Um, before we move on. Yeah, I've set the, I set the height on the content. Could be that I haven't initialized the map yet. I think that's actually a problem. Which we'll do right now. There we go. Get started. Um, and uh, I have already built this app, like I mentioned before. So you go to uh, GitHub, uh, Media Club slash City Forks. Uh, there's a repo up here with four commits, and that's this is the same stuff that we're going over. Uh, okay. There we go. So let's get into the Cordova stuff a little more. We'll make a file called client cordova.js. Basically, when the client app starts, oops, window is the wrong size. When the client app starts, we want to uh, figure out the location of the of the client that started up. And so we want to use that geolocation package that I just added. So we can do um, meteor.startup. Basically, this is going to run. This is kind of like your uh, jQuery ready on ready function or something. Um, this is going to run as soon as Meteor's up and running and ready to go. Um, and so we want to call navigator. Geolocation dot get current position. And then we're just gonna call a function right there um, when it's done. And so we just need to make a named function right here. Uh, position what it's gonna get. And so we're going to use that session that I mentioned before. Uh, we'll just call it location for now. Uh, and then we'll just set the entire position object there. And then 
yeah, let's just do that and see where we get. And so you, you can see here, like I'm already getting the, uh, the, the uh, geolocation stuff. Um, I'd already accepted it, so I just cleared it real quick. And you can see it, it now pops and says like, you know, can, can we use the location? So we'll say allow. And then if we come over here, we can do a session get on the location. And you can see that object that we've stored now. It's got coordinates with our latitude and longitude on it. So uh, the great thing is, since we're using it from Cordova, this works in the browser like we want. And it's also going to work automatically in the Android or iOS environments. So uh, we kind of get both those, I guess all three of those, uh, for cheap. All right. Uh, do, do, do. So next, I'm going to create, do, we'll, we'll start shoving places into the database so that we'll have something to show with the map once we get it working. Um, so we'll create a, a Mongo collection, and then we'll create a meteor method, and uh, we'll call that meteor method whenever we get a location and, and go fetch nearby uh, food places. So, um, let's see. Good bit of code here. Collections, places.js. So we just save this off into the global namespace. Um, so it'll be window, basically, in the client or uh, root in, uh, in node. Uh, so new Mongo collection. And then we just tell it what we want the, uh, I don't, the collection to be named in the actual Mongo server. So we'll just keep it the same, just places. Um, and then the other thing is we're going to use a method here. Um, Meteor methods are just like RPC calls um, between the client and server. So it's the other piece of DDP. So I can make a call and say like, hey, server, do this thing. and um, It'll go do it, and then you know you can have it return something if you want. Um, so what we'll do, we'll just create one called uh, fetch nearby locations. It'll take some coordinates. And this is going to go to both the client and the server. Uh, and the reason you usually want to do that is uh, you can do um, latency compensation. So you can kind of like fake out little bits of the client side code and it'll look like something's happened and then it gets, it runs on the client and then it'll run again on the server. And if everything's accepted on, on the server, then, you know, everything will update properly for everyone else. Um, but for our case, we actually, like I like to keep this together, like the, the collection and the methods that modify those collections. So we're gonna put it here, but we only want it to run on the server. So we can say meteor.isServer, uh, which will return true when it's the server, false when it's not. Let's see, we wanna make an HTTP call here. Actually, Sake of saving time, I think it might just make sense to paste this in and maybe talk about it. Oops. Uh, so basically on line six here, we're gonna call out to Google. Um, we're gonna give it our latitude and longitude. Uh, we're gonna tell it we want types of food. Uh, there's a key kind of in, in over here to the, to the right. Um, we'll just console log. The, uh, the results that we get back didn't paste right. Uh, there we go, that's better. We'll just console log those results so we can see them in the, in the server uh, or the console output on the server. 
Uh, and then we're going to loop over those results. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll look at this structure when this console log runs. Um, but uh, basically, line 8 and 9, we're just trying to get the results ready. Uh, so when you're doing Mongo indexing, 2D indexing, you need to have a GeoJSON um, compatible object. And so that's what, what's going on here. We're, we're basically glomming on the GeoJSON onto the location results that we're getting. Uh, so it's just type point, the coordinates. You have to actually give it uh, longitude, then latitude, which I don't know. That's like backwards from how I learned it in school. Uh, and then the last thing that we're going to do is we're just going to go ahead and insert, or we're going to upsert the entire uh, location into the database uh, using, like we're using the Google API ID as kind of our, our key for this particular query. So save this. This hint is hitting all over it. There we go. What we can do now is right here where we set our session, we can also make the call to that method. So this is only going to run on the client. Uh, we just do a meteor.call. Again, this is just kind of like RPC by locations. And we'll just give it position.chords. If you haven't seen it, um, I use a, a little app called RoboMongo. It's a nice way to visually see what's going on in your, your uh, database here. So you can see we've got places. Uh, actually, I'm going to go ahead and remove that. Come back over here. Reload. And now you can see in the console, we're like getting a bunch of stuff spit out here. Come back over to RoboMongo. You'll find we got 10 results. And you can see like this, this Gabby's Cafe is, is literally like half a mile from my house. So I can walk down there. Um, pastry shop that's right across the street. Uh, the farmer's market, which is only there temporarily. But so, so we're getting like these are all relevant to, to right where I live. Um, and that is exactly what we want. So let's see. Any questions on that section before I move on? Yeah, there's there's a question in the chat. Can you read it to me while I'm like doing this? Yep. Just wondering, should we always write that meteor dot is server question mark? Are there any easier ways to separate client and server parts? Uh the easiest way is to use those folders that I mentioned. Um so I'll, hold on, I'll type tree here in a second. Uh, get equations going into the DB. The easiest way is to, to either put the code in the client or the server. But again, you know, for me, uh, it's more of a discipline of keeping um, logical code together. That's what, what has me put like my Meteor methods next to the main kind of collection that it's going to be modifying. Generally, I find Meteor methods are uh, written because you want to do some kind of like database updating or something like that. You can do it from, um, you can allow the client to do it if, if you want, but there's a lot of debate about like the security of that. And, you know, they've got these allow and deny rules. And if you make a bunch of them, it's sometimes hard to figure out like, you know, what, what, what kind of interaction, like if this user's an admin and, you know, you're, you're checking like multiple if then statements, like, I don't know, it can get messy. So a lot of people would just use a meteor method and just stick to that as the way that they update the database. So um, that's why I keep it there. And then the other nice thing is usually you do want um, 
you do want that latency compensation, but here we don't um, because we don't we have no idea what's going to come back, so we can't even fake that out. Um, let's see. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's messy, but uh, I don't, I'm familiar with the code, maybe. Uh, the, the biggest thing I think that's maybe weird for people when they come into Meteor is like you can pretty much shove files anywhere. So I would say like when you're getting started with a Meteor app, it's probably a good idea to look at, um, you know, discover Meteor the book. Like they suggest a layout. I've got a blog post that suggests, uh, you know, layouts that I tend to follow. I've even changed since that blog post, but you know, just stick to a standard and and try to document it because, um, gosh, it's a it's a pain when someone doesn't name their files right or you know you have no idea where you're looking for code. Nobody wants to be grepping. Uh, all right, next bit of code. So now I think the key thing here is we want to do like a 2D index. Um, and this is this is a pretty simple one-liner, but this one actually took me a while to figure out. Uh, so server index.js. So we just call places dot underscore ensure index. Um, this is the underscore denotes that it's a private method for Meteor. Um, you know, I had a discussion with the Meteor development group, like why is this still private? This should have been part of 1.0 release. Uh, they said they just didn't didn't get around to documenting it, and so they kept it private for now. Um, but I don't; it's not going to change from what they've told me. So um, should be able to use it without too much worry. Uh, and with Mongo, we just want to do a 2D sphere, uh, so we should be able to do like a, a box query, basically. Um, the other thing that I want to do now just show you real quick what happens by default. So if I do a places.find right here, I'm gonna do a fetch on that. You can see we're already getting objects uh, right into the, to the front end. And that's actually not desired behavior. So by default, Meteor gives you uh, some crutches called insecure and auto-publish. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and remove those, and then we'll do we'll create a quick publication so you can see what that looks like. Um, but you just do media remove auto publish. Basically, it's taking the entire database and pushing it over DDP. So uh, if you if you have large data sets, um, the first time you use it, like that may be a little alarming because it you know you're getting all this data shoved across the wire. Uh, but it takes it's. Takes like uh, 20, 30,000 records before it's it's kind of noticeable in the client. Um, all right, so let's make a publication. So we just call meteor.publish. Then you give it a name. Uh, we'll just call it nearby places. And um, we're going to get the, the coordinates that we're going to search around. They're going to come from the map. Um, so the map will give us a bottom left and the top right. That's what we need to make a box. And so if we don't have the bottom left or the top right for some reason, we're just going to return nothing. If we do, have our bottom left and the top right. We're gonna do a search for our GeoJSON point. Um, we wanna do, it's a geo within query. Oh yeah, 
give it a box here. Which just consists of the bottom left and the top right. Okay. And so now we can go and start adding some code to Iron Router to, to make that data available to us. What we can do, let's see, lib router. Change all the syntax. So you just say template home right here. I need the wait on function. Um, so we can tell it to wait uh, before rendering our template uh, for some data. And so this is where we do our subscribe. We're going to subscribe to that publication. Goodbye, um, places. The cool thing about this is this is all reactive. Um, so we can do like a session get bottom left and a session get top right. And so once we get the map going, we'll just set the bottom left and top right anytime the map is changing. And these variables will update and this subscription will change. And, um, you know, it'll, it'll, uh, It'll rerun these, the, the subscription and tell the publication, like, hey, we've got a different box. Go get me different data. So um, it's kind of kind of nice. Uh, and then our data. We want to return uh, places.find. So basically, our template context uh, is kind of like, uh, I guess, the controller and Rails land. Like, we're going to set up the variables that are available to the template. Um, and we're just going to make all the places available that we've, we've brought over. Wow, I totally did not like that. I did not like that. You've got 15 minutes left, left Josh. Okay. Getting close. Um, I don't know. Is it crashing? Yeah. Line seven. Just missed in my comments somewhere. Oh, wait. Okay. Uh, I have no idea what my type is at. Oh, I'm just passing an object instead of running the function. That's like weird now. There we go. There we go. No more JS in there. All right. Now the last bit of code that's going to tie this all together for us. We're going to go to client. Um, so we already made that home.js that had the the map div in it. Um, so I always name my JS files the same as the template files, so like home.html, I'm going to make a home.js here in the client views. Um, what we can do is we can 
grab on. Uh, like any time this is rendered, we can run this function right here. This is a callback that we get that we're able to do stuff on. And I mentioned before that tracker auto run. Um, so basically, this is just a fancy way to say anytime code in here changes, we want to rerun this guy, like everything that's inside of here. So uh, since we're using like session variables and stuff, we want to rerun this entire function anytime any of those variables change. And so if we have oops, a session location, that's what we saved off earlier, and we're going to run a bunch of stuff. Actually, gonna probably copy all this too. We'll copy the sections here and go over it. Excuse me. All right. So we're gonna grab the latitude and longitude, and I'm gonna say off because we're gonna work with it a couple times through here. Um, and then this is leaflet syntax right here on line six. Uh, we're just gonna tell leaflet like, hey, we've got a map. Here's the name of the the, the idea of the div. Um, set the view to be our latitude and longitude. We want a zoom level of 15. Uh, and then with leaflet, you, you have to use, supply your own mapping tiles. So uh, this is just the default uh, OpenStreetMaps, I believe it is. Yeah, OpenStreetMap um, tiles. So we'll use those and then we just we have to put the attribution on there as well. And then basically we're saying add the tiles to the map. And so if we save this guy, we should start seeing our map. And you can see uh, since we centered it on the geolocation point that we had, uh, my house is uh, right here. You can see like these are the train tracks that run through my backyard. This is the street in front of me and my house is like right where the hand is. So kind of works the way we wanted. Um, the other thing is like it's going to pause for a second. That's because we're we're waiting for that location. So it's got to get the geolocation point set before it's going to render the map. Um, I don't know. I haven't decided if that's a bug or a feature. <laughs> So the next bit of code, we want to get some places filling in here. So we need to set that bottom left and top right. Uh, so we just call it get bounds on the map, and it's going to give us those corners. Uh, we can ask it for the, the southwest and northeast to get that. And we're just going to ask for the lat latitude and longitude and set those uh, the way it's expecting them for the, the geo within query. Save that off. Now, when I do places.find.fetch, we should see stuff. Yeah, we're seeing the objects again. So, the next thing we need to do is start putting some uh, markers on here. And so, we can access the uh, template instance here. And so we're just looking to see if there's data with line 15. If there is, we're going to loop over that data. So those are the places, the data context that we set in Iron Router. Uh, we're going to loop over those places. And, uh, and then we're just going to call L.marker and uh, give it all the, the necessary stuff to add it to the map. And then we just bind a, a pop-up to it with a place.name and a place.vicinity. Now when we come back over here, Oh, I gotta save it. Reload, and boom, now we're getting points on the map. And so that's great, but we've only got 10 places. When we move the map around, that's not super interesting to us. So what we can do, we'll just, uh, 
the part that annoys me the most, I should refactor. We can put an on move end event right here. We'll just bind to it and we'll basically reset the bottom left and top right. Reset the location to be the coordinates that we got there. And then we're just go we're gonna tell it to refetch, you know, we'll do a meteor call to refetch new um, new locations as the map moves around. And so you can see, like, I only have the 10 places in the database, but now as the map moves, we've, we've added a new one here. Move up here, go further, starting to get some places. Oh, yeah, this is the place to go to restaurants, apparently. Uh, and so now when we look in the database again, you can see we've got uh, 46 places in here. That kind of concludes that part. We've got eight minutes. Um, I will show you really quickly what the iOS stuff looks like. So we just do a Meteor Run iOS. And uh, basically it's going to build the Cordova application first. Um, and then it's going to run the server. And so what's, what's happening behind the scenes is we're connecting, the Cordova application is going to spin up. It's going to be using like the web view stuff. Um, and it's going to connect back to the localhost 3000 media app that we're, we're running. Um, but the Cordova app does have like the CSS is already there and the HTML templates are already there as part of the Cordova app. Um, so you can see it said started app on iOS simulator, which is a very finicky thing. We'll see if it works. Sometimes I have to tell it to restart like four or five times. That's a, that's an iOS thing, not a meteor issue. Any questions while we're waiting for it to work or not work? <laughs> yeah, I think it's gonna work here. Let's kill it. Try, try again. Here we go. It worked this time. So you can see when it pops here, um, it's asking me if it can use the location. We'll say allow. I think it's set to, yeah, it's set to Apple uh, by default. So you can change that in the debug. You can say location, you know, city run, freeway drive, whatever you want to do. Um, but, you know, it's working exactly the same as it was. you know, in our other, in our, in our web browser. So we're kind of getting all that for free. All right. Uh, so how's the performance of Meteor and Cordova over something like Ionic and, or Titanium? That's a great question. I have no idea. Um, I'm not even sure how to compare performances for native apps. I haven't done that yet. Um, I haven't needed to, I guess. Um, you, you can use Ionic with the uh, the Cordova stuff, uh, as far as the, the templating and whatnot goes, um, which is what I'm doing for a client now, and it it seems to work fine. I haven't had any complaints. No one's no one said, "Hey, this feels sluggish" or anything like that. Um, and then actually, let's kill that guy and see what happens. Oh, fail. Yes. Can't find the map. That's weird. No. Uh, is there a good way to hook it up to test directly on your phone? Yeah. So uh, what you can do there is rather than doing a Meteor Run iOS, you can do a Meteor Build iOS. Uh, and I think I've got to give it a pass. 
Just call it sequence build. Build. Something like that. Uh, Anyway, um, what that does is it actually builds the entire thing using Cordova. Uh, sorry, got distracted there. Um, and it, it spits out an actual Xcode project at that point. And so you can use that Xcode project. You can load it up in Xcode. Um, you can run the simulator yourself. Let's say you need to simulate something other than the 4S, which I think is what uh, it defaults to right now um, with Meteor when you're using Cordova. Um, you know, you can tell it you want to use an iPhone 6 if you need to, iPhone 6 Plus. Um, and then you can you can even tell it to build and then ship to your, your phone if you want, if you've got all the developer keys set up and all that kind of stuff. Call it uh, sequence build, and so you can see it spits out an iOS project right here. If I open it, you can see the Xcode project right there. And you can start to dig into the, the whole thing. I'm not familiar with that. Oh, yeah. So this is interesting, too. Uh, when you've got a simulator up by default, I don't know if people know this, but um, you can actually say, uh, Let's see. Uh, host 3000. Uh, um, you can go to the develop panel here and it says iOS simulator and you can click on that simulator that's running and it runs a web inspector so we can actually get a console right there for it. If that's kind of what you're talking about. And call places.find.fetch. Obviously, there's nothing there because I killed the server. But kind of get the idea. All right. Well, it looks like we're about out of time. Is there anything else that you want us to see or anything else that people want to ask before we wrap this up? Uh, yeah, not. Not a whole lot. I would just say, um, you know, if you're interested in learning more, um, you know, go to my blog and uh, you can sign up for the newsletter and you'll get a like a, a welcome autoresponder. And feel free to email me and ask me any questions that you might have. Um, you know, it it uh, this is what I do all day every day working with Meteor and it's a passion of mine. So. I would definitely say, you know, hit me up if, if you want to learn more. Like, I can point you in the right direction. Uh, I've got a great getting started article as well um, on my blog uh, that I posted uh, two weeks ago. So it was a guest post, but great stuff. So, all right. All right. Well, thank you very much, Josh. Uh, make sure. sure you go check out all of this stuff that he's got up here on uh, the more slide. And, uh, yeah. Definitely some stuff to worth checking out. Yeah. Lots of thanks and applause in the chat room. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It was fun. All right. Well, we're going to go into presenter mode for a minute so John can get set up, and we'll be right back. <laughs>